Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Rolling along here, hour one of On the Block. Good to be back after a good time out at Buffalo Wings and Rings yesterday. We go to uh, the Allo VIP line. We welcome in Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, how have you been uh, enjoying regionals and the start of Super Regionals? Hey, Austin. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fantastic. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's great. Like, I think viewership's up in college baseball. Maybe it's because more of the games are being televised. But, uh, I mean, we've had walk-offs. We've had upsets, storylines galore. Uh, it's a ton of fun. That it has been. Uh, any surprises to you heading to Super Regionals? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a really interesting field because you've only got one you're guaranteed one repeat college world series qualifier. That's going to be Texas or Stanford, but like everybody else that's out there is just really interesting. Like Wake Forest, which is the number one national seed, haven't been to Omaha since 1955. So like, even though they've been really good, they, it's, it's basically uncharted territory for that particular program. Um, you know, you have some of these kind of off-brand SEC schools like Kentucky and Alabama that don't typically make runs in baseball, and they're in the Supers. Um, you know, you've got a team like Oregon that, you know, didn't have a program 15 years ago, and now here it is <clears throat> on the brink of coming back to Omaha. Of course, Oral Roberts is, is sort of a story, if you love underdogs, is the four seed that's made it this far. So, like, it's just a really interesting group. I think you talk about wanting to get passionate fan bases to Omaha, but you also want to get um, sort of fresh blood and, and new teams and, and new brands into that final eight. And I think this field kind of has a little bit of everything. So it's been really fun. Speaking of uh, new blood, there will be a new uh, pitching coach for Nebraska baseball next season. What do you make of the decision to move on from uh, Jeff Christie for the program? Yeah, you know, it was it was interesting. Like I I didn't have a strong read one way or the other what they would do because I think you could make a case either way. I mean, you look at sort of the the macro numbers for Nebraska this year and and every year under Jeff Christie, they've been among the Big 10 leaders in ERA and other sort of predictive metrics. I one I like to put a lot of stock in is strikeout to walk ratio and they've been really good at that, particularly limiting free passes. Um, but on the other hand, you know, there's just not been a lot of cases or examples of, of where guys have maybe developed at the rate that you'd like. Um, there, there hasn't maybe been the depth that you're looking for, especially in the last couple of years. And that's mostly reflected in those midweek games when you don't have maybe that reliable fourth or fifth arm that can go out and, and give you a midweek win. Uh, and, and you look at the sixth midweek losses that they had to teams like Creighton and North Dakota State and Omaha and on and on, uh, those six losses, they gave up 42 runs, I think it was, and that's just not going to get it done. So, you know, it was interesting listening to Will Bolt when the team bowed out in the Big Ten tournament semifinals uh, last month. I mean, he had the look of a guy, and and he said it, like he's going to do everything in his power to get Nebraska back to being a regional caliber team where you can have a chance to make a run. And, you know, I, I can I can say confidently this was not an easy decision for him. I mean, he's, he's 
known Jeff Christie back to uh, you know Nebraska's run to the College World Series in 2005. They worked together at multiple places, but ultimately felt strong enough that uh, you know they go in a different direction with a with a pitching coach moving forward. And again, I think depth and development is probably the reason that you're making that move now. The other aspect of that, Evan, that as I racked my brain and tried to think, I couldn't come up with a definitive, you know, pitching philosophy that Nebraska's had over the last handful of years. You're closer to it. Can you point to one, or do you think that developing a philosophy, whether that's, you know, fastball up, slider down, attack inside, outside, something like that, would help Nebraska in, you know, finding guys, finding arms out of the portal or high school, and then developing them once they get to campus? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I don't know that, that you can say that they have a, a specific, um, you know, game plan in terms of this is what we're always going to do with our fastballs and what we're going to do with our breaking pitches. I do know, generally speaking, one thing that when they would go out on the road and look for pitchers and, and try to determine who can help them, really the, the, the baseline thing is can you throw strikes? Can you fill up the zone? Uh, walking batters, giving out free passes, wild pitches, hit hit batters, all that stuff uh, is is the quickest way to get you off the mound. And I think the numbers bear out that, generally speaking, Nebraska's been in the zone, and, and they're not walking guys. Uh, they did have some issue with hit-by-pitch this year, but I think that got better as things went along. It's been uh, some of the other stuff. I mean, they haven't typically been a team that strikes out a lot of batters, uh, it's been more of a pitch-to-contact sort of approach, and that usually works when they've had some of their better defenses, and I, I would put this year into that category. Um, so I think that's probably where it starts, but that can't be sort of where it ends, right? Like you have to uh, see a lot of progress from guys to where you, you feel good about having a strong weekend rotation, and you and you probably have the depth to where you can count on a guy on a Tuesday to give you five or six innings, and it just hasn't necessarily turned out that way. And, and sometimes uh, when you're filling up the zone, it's with hittable pitches. And I think that's what's gotten Nebraska into trouble sometimes as well is uh, opponents just being able to string together innings with singles and doubles and things like that. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, whoever they go with at, in that role, how defined they want to be uh, with the type of pitcher that they have, with the type of game plan that they want to have, and how different that is from, from what it's been. Last thing on, on that front, Evan, is in your, your article about the the parting of ways, I guess probably the best way to phrase it, um, was that the, the pitching coach changeover you know, hasn't been common. The last one that you noted was 2007. Do you mm-hmm. think the replacement comes from on the staff currently? You probably know who I'm alluding to. Or does Nebraska run a, a wider-ranging search? Yeah, I mean, that's the question. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. And I, I think... You're talking about Rob Childress, who's the director of player development for Nebraska right now. Uh, you know, it's pretty well known what his resume is. He he built some of Nebraska's best best pitching staffs in their program history in the early 2000s in their runs to the College World Series. And you look at what he did over more than a decade at Texas A&M, and it was the same sort of deal uh, with a lot of pitchers drafted, a lot of All Conference and All America type of honors. And for the last two years, he has been a behind-the-scenes guy for Nebraska, helping some of their players uh, adjust to college life and things like that. I know he's one of their point people for the transfer portal as well, keeping an eye and evaluating players and potential candidates that they can get out of that thing. Um, but I think, you know, in talking with, 
with Rob over the last couple of years, I think the big question is, is that what he's motivated to do? I mean, he came back to Lincoln in this sort of support role to be closer to family, to sort of take a step back from the hectic nature of being an SEC head coach. And so he's done that for a couple of years. Is this a, a sort of a spot that he wants to stay in, or is there an itch to get back into more of an on-the-field sort of role? And if, if there's interest there, then obviously he's got to be a, a serious candidate and somebody who's, who's quite honestly overqualified for the position based on what his history is. Uh, if not, then I think it opens up big time. I mean, that becomes a, a search where Will Bolt and, and his staff can look around the country and, and maybe um, you know look at some connections that they have with other schools, see who's interested, see who's available. And I think it would be interesting because, you know, Nebraska's it's not the SEC, uh, it's not the ACC, but it draws like any of those schools, really. And it, it has the support, the fan support, um, the infrastructure to succeed at a high level. So I, I would be fascinated to see what candidate they could get if they were to do that. But again, you have a, a guy who's done what Rob Childress has done. You'd be silly not to ask and at least uh, see what his mindset is in that position moving forward. We're talking Husker baseball with Evan Bland of the Omaha World. Harold, uh, whether it's Rob Childress or an outside hire, Evan, a uh, lot of new pitchers going to be on this roster uh, from the high school ranks, and even one, at least one, probably more from the transfer portal. Bobby Olson comes over from Brown University. What's the what's the book on him? Yeah, first portal edition this offseason, really in keeping with the trend that Nebraska's had of finding its weekend starters over the last few years in the portal. Chance Roach, Dawson McCarvel, Jace Kaminska this past season have all been portal ads. And, and Olson, you know, I spoke with him the other day, and he uh, that's, that's his goal, too, to be a, a weekend starter for Nebraska moving forward. Um, you know, kind of an interesting career path for him. Uh, he, he, his, his 2020 season, just like everybody else's, was was knocked out early. And then uh, being a player at Brown in the Ivy League, they didn't play in 21. So he sat out and trained. And then last, uh, 2022, he was a starter for them. And then just this last season, he sort of did a little bit of everything. He started, he closed, middle relief, kind of whatever they needed. The team wasn't very good, quite frankly. And he was their best pitcher and, and, and was able to help them out there. Um, but he was in the portal all season because he knew uh, the, the Ivy League has has this rule where you can't um, compete in athletically as a graduate or beyond your four years. And so they um, allowed him to go into the portal early, and, and he settles with Nebraska. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out. Like you said, there's still a lot of um, things to be determined with this roster moving forward. You have to figure out uh, the status of Emmett Olson and Jace Kaminska with the MLB draft next month. Do they go? Do they stay? Does one of them go and one of them stay? All that's yet to be determined. And then uh, I, I would imagine they'll continue to be <clears throat> active in the portal, and, and they have some high school players who are fairly well-renowned coming in as well. So a lot to figure out between now and mid-February when they're back down in Texas to open the 24 season, but uh, you figure Olsen will be a part of their plan. Let's touch on the MLB draft for a sec on the <clears> pitching <throat> side. Emmett Olsen and Jace Kaminska with the decisions. What do you put the odds at that you know neither one of them is back, one of them is back, or both of them are back? Well, I think probably the most likely outcome is that they both move on. That would be my my hunch, um, I don't know that for sure, but you know, I think Kaminska made it fairly clear that if he, if he had a chance to go pro after one season transferring over from Wichita State, that he would jump at that. 
whether that's as a drafted player or, or undrafted free agent sort of remains to be seen if that's something that he would consider if it came down to that. I think Olsen, uh, you know, he had a great 22 season. He was a legitimate ace in the Big Ten. I, I think it's, it, he would say that he took a step back this year. The ERA would say that. Just shorter outings and, and a little bit more inconsistent. Um, but he's got the stuff. He trained with Team USA last summer. He's somebody who's very projectable, especially as a left-hander. So that would be probably, I think, the most likely outcome is they both move on. And, of course, you, you factor in that their pitching coach uh, is, not, is no longer there as well. That probably has to weigh, weigh in, that, uh, in that decision a little bit, too. Um, but I, I think maybe your second most likely scenario would be one of them chooses to come back and say, you know what, uh, individually I didn't have the best season, or as a team we didn't have the best season. Maybe there's some motivation to come back and try to improve on that as well. But I think regardless, um, yeah, the, the staff's going to look a lot different next year, even beyond that starting rotation with, you know, kind of well, well-used well relievers like Shea Shanneman and Kyle Perry moving on. Um, there's just a lot of work to do with that staff, and it'll be fascinating to see how it comes together. On the offensive side in the MLB draft, Nebraska has two, you know, almost surefire top 100 picks in Bryce Matthews and in Max Anderson. Let's start with Bryce Matthews. Did he do enough defensively um, over this last season to prove he can stick on the dirt? Or do you think that he could be a guy that could turn into a utility guy, you know, play second, short, third, left, right field, just whatever a team needs from him? Yeah, probably the latter. Uh, you know, I, he had around 20 errors this year, and, and I'm sure he would say that that's too many. Um, you know, he's been a guy who made some really impressive plays, but there were also just some routine throws that maybe got away here or there. Uh, I know he worked really hard on it in the off season, and Nebraska had considered coming into this season uh, actually putting him out in the outfield or somewhere else, but he proved to the staff uh, that that he deserved to be that shortstop. And, and again, he had some pretty strong moments and didn't miss a game until up until that last series of the regular season. So my, my, my thought for him as a pro would probably be um, outfield first. I mean, he's got the speed. We saw how he tracked down that little pop-up in shallow left in the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the kind of speed that he he has, and I think he, he would have that ability to, to be an outfielder and, and be sort of a speed power guy there. But yeah, I mean, I also think he's he's got that ability, as he's shown, to be a shortstop, to be a second baseman. Um, you know, guys like that are valuable as fill-ins and utility players when they're needed too. So I think there's a lot of um, paths to playing time for him as a pro. Uh, certainly, the bat plays, and then he can play around the field too. And then with Max Anderson, similar sort of question. Settled at second base this season, played some third as a freshman. I, you know, came to college having played some shortstop, uh, moonlighted at first base. Is he athletic enough? Is he good enough defensively to stay on the dirt, or is he again kind of a, a utility bat first guy with maybe some left field potential? Yeah, sort of the uh, the Alex Gordon path, maybe from right. <laughs> infield to left. Uh, I mean, that's possible. That that could be the way that it turns out. You know, I know scouts. It, they, they don't really know what to make of him in that regard, Austin, because he doesn't jump off the page as, as sort of um, an athletic standout the way that maybe Bryce Matthews does. But the numbers bear it out. I mean, he didn't commit an error until late in the year. I think he had two all year at a position in second base that he hadn't really played much of at all. Uh, so he was really consistent there. The, the same thing the year before when he was at third base, just really – uh, sort of routine. I mean, he made all the plays. So I, I don't know that, that he would have the speed 
that you feel great about him in the outfield. Maybe maybe left would be that spot, like you said. But you know, when you have a bat the way that that he does, when you're hitting over 400, you've got multiple seasons in the Cape Cod League where you're uh, well above 300 against the best talent at your level. Um, you know, that's that's going <laughs> to allow teams or maybe prompt teams to be creative with where he ends up. So it probably depends on what team he's he's a part of and sort of what else is around him. But I think he's proven that he's versatile enough, and if nothing else just reliable and trustworthy enough that uh, you can put him out there and, and know he'll do at least as well as you expect, given what he can do offensively. It's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald with us ch- uh, chatting. A lot of Husker baseball headlines. We're a month out uh, from the MLB draft, uh, you know, week and a half, two weeks from the College World Series. I'll be following Evan to keep tabs on all of that. Recommend you do the same. Evan, as always, we appreciate your time. Have a great rest, rest of your week. Thanks, Austin. See ya. Once again, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald with us here on The Block. Dame Lillard interested in a trade to Miami. Let's get Strick's thoughts on that as we continue our one on The Block.